Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is Scott Scott Podcast. Today I'm joined by former Hearts and Rangers player David Templeton. We discuss David's days at Stenhouse Muir, his move to Hearts, his bizarre conversation with Romanov, the iconic goal at Anfield against Liverpool in the Europa League, his time at Rangers and retiring from professional football at the age of 32. All this and so much more. Enjoy the show. Right, so David, what was your earliest memory as a football fan? I was a football fan. Um, I'm not sure, actually. My big brother was a Rangers fan, so he always had the Brian Loudrop DVDs growing up. There would have been videos at the time. Yeah. Um, and I always just remember watching them, to be honest with you, um, just because of the way he played. And yeah, I was always somebody that wanted to dribble, and so I always enjoyed watching his videos back yeah. when I was younger. Um, so that was that was always the first thing I remember. I didn't really go to any games when I was younger, to be honest. I was more just obsessed with playing myself and, yeah. and watching. Because obviously, um, growing up, like you didn't really support a team, did you? No, I kind of, I grew up a Celtic fan. Um, but I was never, like, as I say, I never went to any games. So I was never like, a diehard fan. So that's what people always said to me, oh, how could you go to Rangers? And it didn't bother me. To me, playing football was a job, so... Yeah, whoever I played for, I supported, and that's I'm still like that now. I support Hearts, I support Hamilton, I support Rangers, I support Burton. So it's just it's just the way it is. And obviously, your dad named you after David Cooper, and I think yeah. I'm right in saying all oh, also your mum's side were Celtic fans. So yeah, <laughs> yeah my my dad's side were all Rangers. Uh, my dad obviously he was obsessed with David Cooper. He's got a a David Cooper tattoo and stuff. So that was his hero growing up. So that's why he named me after him. Um, but my mum's side were all Celtic, so when my mum and dad split up, I kind of went my mum's side. So that was that was the only reason else I probably would have been if my dad was still there, I'd have been a Rangers fan. So Aye. and then obviously you were in Aberdeen Pro Youth, but am I right in saying they let you go because he said that you were too small or something? Yeah, um I can't remember what age I was at the time, but yeah, that's what it was basically. Um got let go because I was I was too small. Um I was I was small at the time. And managed to also take a a, a stretch. Um, by the time I was, I don't know, 15, 16. So uh, managed to get into Stenhouse Muir after that. And obviously it worked out well for me. But yeah, it was, it was too small according to them. But that was that was a, a big thing in Scottish football. Um, I don't know if it's as bad now, but it used to be a lot of players would get the least for being too small. And then you made your pro debut for Stenny, and that must have been a proud moment for yourself and the family. Yeah, that was that was unreal to be fair because I wasn't expecting to be even be involved. Um because I was only sixteen, I think. Um yeah, I think I was sixteen and I thought I was just travelling up with the squad. Just the usual, put out the strips, put out the boots, tidy up and the game's finished. Um yeah, and turned out I was on the bench and we were losing 2-0. I think that actually helped me. I think if we were maybe winning, I probably wouldn't have got on. Mm. I think the fact that we were 2-0 down, the manager thought maybe thought there was nothing to lose and, and threw me on. And thankfully for me, it's, it worked out well. We, we win 3-2 and I managed to score the winner as well. And then during your time at Stenny, who were some of the players that looked out for you? Yeah, I had a few actually. Um, John Paul McBride was, yeah. was really good with me. He uh, was obviously came through at Celtic, so... He, he was a very good footballer but also would help me in terms of at that stage I was wanting to get into full-time football so he would tell me the sort of stuff to expect and, and stuff like that so that did help me 
uh, Colin Cram, who was the same. Paul McGrillan is no longer here, but he was very good with me as well. Uh, he was a really experienced player at Motherwell and stuff. Um, and then two of the boys I travelled with, Thomas Sinclair and Paul Murphy, who were, were brilliant as well. And then what age was it you made your debut again? Were you not like 17? Uh, 16 when I was at Stenhousemoy, yeah, 16. Uh, I made my debut. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I was, I was either 15 or 16. I think 16. Yeah. Because I left when I was 17. I'm just trying yeah. to think of that, Yeah, I think 16. Yeah. I, what was that like for you being that age, playing against like like grown men in their like 30s and stuff? Because obviously, especially playing at that level, they're, they're very physical players, man. They're no shy of uh, going in for a hard challenge. What was that like? Um, I I think to be fair, I was at the start. I was just coming on for like fifteen twenty minutes at a time. Yeah, I think a lot of the players were maybe a bit more tired at that stage of the game, and right. I was coming on fresh. I was quick at the time, so it probably helped me because I could use my pace to get away from them. Um, but yeah, as I started starting to start games, then yeah, I would start to get get caught a bit uh, physically. So I knew when I went full time that I had to try and get a bit a bit stronger. And then you signed for Hearts in two thousand seven. Talk me through how that came about. Uh, it was, do you know, I don't actually know how it came about. It was just my my agent had phoned basically saying because I knew there was a lot of teams interested in me at the time. There was a lot of teams had been watching at Stenhouse Muir, but I'd never heard that Hearts were there, so I didn't know anything about that. And then. Agent phone saying basically Stenhouse Muir accepted an offer from Hearts, um, and it was just a case of going to speak to them. And for me, I wanted to jump at the chance to be honest, because I just wanted to go full time, uh, get in a full time environment, training every single day. That being my job, um, I knew I was going into the academy, but that was obviously going to help me a lot as well. And they loaned you out to Rafe Rovers in two thousand eight for the second half of that season, and that's where you're playing under John McGlynn. Uh, what did you learn? Your mo- what did you learn the most from John McGlynn when you went to Rafe? Uh, John John was really good. He was he was good with me to be honest. He was his attention to detail with football. He was obsessed with football. Uh, he's tactically, he just he loved the game, and I think that showed on to the players as well. Um, and I had I had a great time at Rafe. It started brilliant. And then kind of had a bit of a rough spell where I wasn't playing as well, would come out of the team. So I think that made me stronger as well, that I wasn't going to just play all the time. Uh, I had to obviously earn the right to play because I was in men's football. So yeah. I think that that helped me a lot um, to learn for if I did go into Hearts first, uh, first team. And then in the 2010-11 season, um, that's when you really started to come into your own at Hearts, David. And you scored that iconic goal at Easter Road against Hibs. What was that feeling like for yourself? Oh, that was unbelievable. Yeah, that's still one of the best feelings, that one. I, I actually loved playing at Easter Road uh, with Hearts. It was always... I preferred playing at Easter Road uh, against Hibs than playing at Tynecastle. Uh, oh, really? I don't know why. I, yeah, I always done better when I was at Easter Road. I don't know if it's because Tynecastle was tighter and... Um, yeah, I just had a bit more space at Easter Road, but I just always seemed to do well there. And yeah, just that one when it dropped, it just seemed to open right up for me. Uh, no one seemed to really put a challenge in. And I think uh, I'm not sure if it was Kevin Kyle or Stephen Elliott made a run across that kind of I don't know if Saul Bamba had that his eye on them as well, which kind of opened it up even more for me. So it just 
yeah, it just couldn't have worked out any better for me. And then obviously when you turn, and I was getting, to be fair, I was getting a lot of stick off the Hibs fans down down the tunnel side. Um, so if you see my celebration again, I'm straight away, I'm telling them to be quiet. Um, and then you obviously go and see the Hearts fans, and it's just, uh, it looks bad. Because yeah. see that goal, mate, to this day, Hearts fans still speak about it. Like, see, I imagine when you bump into Hearts fans, they always bring that up as well. Uh, so it's mainly Anfield, they'll say. Um, yeah. Anytime I, I'm still through there, it's always first things Anfield. But then you'll get a few that will maybe mention the goal at Eastergood. Um, yeah. But yes, Anfield's the one that they always talk about. But see that, uh, sorry, that Hearts team back then, mate, it was some team, mate, because he's had the players like Rudy Scatchel, Lee Wallace, Ian Black, Andy Driver. That was that was some team, man. Yeah, we had a very good team. Um, when I first broke into the team, it was very good as well, which would have been... I think 2009, when it was like Larry Kingston, Bruno Aguilar, they had, they had very, very good players. And then that 2010 season, as you say, Rudy Scatchel, who was, who was unbelievable. Lee Wallace, who one of the best I've played with. I, I love playing with Lee. Um, Kevin Kyle, who was, he was brilliant to play off of for myself. Because anything that came up, you know, it would either stick or it would flick it on to you so you could gamble. And, and that's probably why I was doing so well with that. That time as well, Stephen Elliott, the other side, Jesus Santana, Andrew Driver, Adrian Morovia, Ian Black. So yeah, we'd have we'd a very very good team, and then you had the likes of Andy Webster and stuff at the back. So, but obviously Big Marius as well, who was excellent. So yeah, excellent team. Yeah, I need to ask you what say uh, Michael Stewart like to play with. I can imagine he's quite the motor. <laughs> he what he was honestly, Mikey is the uh, the moniest guy I've ever. Like I'm a I'm a money player, right? But he is ridiculously money. But he's a player. He was brilliant. He was a very very good football player, and, and I think that's if I don't know if maybe his morning kind of killed him. It's teams that I, I generally couldn't, I wouldn't know. But as a footballer, he's very very good. So from he stopped playing when he did, I don't know if there was other reasons. But yeah, he was there was this when it was Shabalazlo. Um, we went in a good run. And Mikey was excellent. It was a lot of games we win one now. Mikey scored a penalty. But in that spell with Shabalazla, he was very good. Would you say Scatchel was the best player on that Hearts team? Um, not, not, for, not for me. I would say, I'd probably say Lee Wallace, if I'm honest. Hmm. Uh, Lee Wallace was excellent. Um, Rudy was just, there was games that Rudy could be so quiet. Like if balls down the left hand side, Rudy would be floating about in the right not getting involved in the game, but it's just when, when the ball dropped to Rudy anywhere in the box or round about the box, you knew it was a goal. It was just his shooting was ridiculous. So you could maybe not play great, win 2-0, Rudy's probably scored two and he's maybe only touched the ball about five times. Yeah. He was just, he was, his shooting was, honest. I've never seen it like it. It was my shooting partner. We used to do a shooting with Jim Jeffries every Friday for cakes. Yeah. So that, that you go in pairs and the losers would always get the cakes. I never ever lost in the full time that was his partner. And it was because if I, if I didn't score, it didn't matter because he would always score. He's just, his shooting was unbelievable. I can see Lee Wallace though, because I was I interviewed Cammy Bell a couple weeks ago, right? And he was saying Wallace, Lee Wallace is like the ultimate professional where he's a, he leads by example. He's no someone that will be out shouting, balling, he just leads by example and he's just the ultimate professional. Is that like the kind of captain he was when you were playing with him? Yeah, it was um, it was different from Hearts to Rangers. 
at Hearts, I was a, I was a lot more chilled and um, I wouldn't say he was a leader at that point. He was a very good footballer. But I don't know if when he went to Rangers, playing under the, some of the players that he played under, um, if that's maybe what kind of changed his mindset as well and changed him into more a leader. Um, because at Rangers, he definitely was. He would, he would lead by example just by being a very good footballer and plus the standards round about the place as well. Oh, yeah. So, so we see that 2010-11 season, would you say that was your best season at Hearts? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was a season for the first... I don't think I actually started the season. I think it might have been Driver and Suso. Um, it might have been Sleeves. I can't remember, but I think Driver got injured. I think it was Andy got injured. And then I came into the team. And it might actually have been the Hibs game where I scored. Yeah. But then I I kind of was in the team and I, the gaffer just gave me loads of confidence, told me any time I got the ball, just take people on. Didn't care if I lost it. And it just gave me confidence. And I went on a two-month spell where I was... I can't remember what I scored. It was maybe something like five and eight games or something like that. And uh, got two young players in a month. So at that spell, I was I was flying. And then after New Year, I kind of took a dip, um, came down again because I... I'd went from being playing so well to because I was still quite young at the time, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, it was. I did take a dip the second half of the season. It was hard to can continue that form. And so the following season, Jeffries was sacked after two games. That must have came as a big shock to the boys. Yes, I know because it was that's the way it was at Hearts at the time. Um, you just didn't know what to expect. To be honest, right. um, it was just sat like through managers that that much at you because I think we I think we played we played packs in Europe I'm sure away and I think we drew one each at Ibrox you drew one each at Ibrox as well I'm sure we drew one each at Ibrox yeah because I'm sure the first half we were we were battering Rangers David yeah. Abur scored missed a chance and then I'm sure it was Nasey scored in the second half yeah uh, maybe I that make it one each. Um and yeah, then he, he was sacked. Then obviously Paulo Sergio came in. I but that was just the way it was. It's like you go for the meeting and it's like, all oh, right, that's a guy for away or somebody else in, and it's like, right, okay. I was gutted personally as a because you never know if a new manager's gonna come in and like you, and I knew that Jim Jeffries liked me, so I was gutted from a personal point of view. I so we see at hearts at that time though, was it like the players just accustomed to it, or like this is just the like the norm now, like what it's like under Romanoff? Yeah, it was. It was I'm sure there was probably shorter spells before I was playing that managers were away. Um, and I think the gaffer was maybe just over a year, maybe less. And then obviously Paolo went, so it was just, yeah, it was just normal. Have you got any standout Jim Jeffrey stories? Um, Jim Jeffries. Because obviously you said that you had a, that you really enjoyed like playing under him. Because I've, I've been told, yeah, obviously he is a big character. Uh, so he, he, is, had, he, was, he was quite quiet to be honest. Like he was, it was like him and Billy Brown were like good cop, bad cop. So Billy would be the one that would go through people all the time. But if the gaffer needed to go through somebody, then he would proper go through them, if you know what I mean. Aye. And I only seen that really once, I can remember, with Mikey Stewart um, at Tynecastle, where he, he were doing like a game and Janos Ballard had the ball. Mikey came for it, didn't get it, and then 
gave it to Jamie Hamill, I'm sure, who gave it to Mikey. Mikey lost it in the squad. And Mikey was going mental at Janos, just Mikey moaning as usual. And then the gaffer came down for the stand, going mental at him. And Mikey was walking away towards the tunnel, and the gaffer said, that's right, go down the tunnel, we don't need you, going mental. And then Mikey's like, oh, I was just going to get my water. But that's what, and then I think that's when Mikey, it all went and stopped playing for us. Um, I think him and the gaffer fell out after that. Yeah. But I was, the gaffer went right through him. <laughs> no, I know, when he went like that, it was like you wouldn't see anything, you were scared of him. <laughs> hey, but I need to ask you, David, did you ever have any encounters with Romanov? Um, only when I was, um, when he was offering me a new deal. It was just him and his interpreter, just kind of going back and forth. And I've, I've told this a few times, but it was basically just, he was asking me who my favourite footballer was. And, and I was like, oh, I like Lionel Messi. And then he's talking, saying, oh, I like uh, Frank Ribery. He's like, see if you had, if Lionel Messi did a team, would you want to sign for his team? And obviously, I'm, he's talking to me about a new deal. And I'm thinking, like, what the hell is he stitching me up here? And I was like, oh, no, I'm happy with Amara. I like staying at Hearts. And, but yeah, it was just a bit, it was a bit strange at times. Yeah, no, I can imagine because, um, like, obviously, Romanov, like, so many people have got crazy stories about him, but like, I don't think we'll ever see a football owner like him in Scottish football again, man. <laughs> no, it was mental. I was, even I was, I was talking on another podcast and I was saying about the time I came out, I got new boots and I went into the boot room to put them on. They weren't there and I was like, where the hell are my boots? Couldn't find them. So I just put my other ones on, went outside. Romanov's out there with my boots on, hitting shots into his interpreter. I'm just like, that was just normal. Like you couldn't even say anything. But I yeah, it was just uh, the time should go out and he'd be kicking the ball, just maybe hitting it 40 yards. His interpreter would be going away chasing the ball and bringing it back for him and stuff. It was mental. Oh, that's unbelievable. And then you drew um, Spurs in the Europa League. And obviously in the first leg, it finished 5-0. But to be fair, he's, um, Spurs played a fantastic team against you. Like, I think Gareth Bale was in the team, Walker, Lennon. It was it was unbelievable, that team, wasn't it? Oh, they were. That game, they were, I think we were 3-0 down after 12 minutes. Couldn't get near them. They were unbelievable. They had um, the best player on that night was Van der Vaart. Yeah. He was unreal. It was like he was playing as a 10 and anything that came into him, he was just one touch all the time, popping it off, getting it back, popping it off. You couldn't get near them. It was incredible. Yeah, and then who's he obviously going into the second leg? Was it just like, yeah, slight, just basically like damage damage limitation at that point? But I think he's got a draw, didn't he? Yeah, we drew um, nothing each. They missed a, Harry Kane missed a penalty, actually. Oh, did he? he? Yeah, he was a young boy. Just So that's what it was. He kind of they rested all the big players because the tie was over essentially, um, and played a lot of, of younger boys and some of the some of the players that maybe hadn't been playing as much. I think um, Kabul played, um, Andros Townsend, Harry Kane, Tom Carroll. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I can't remember who else played the second leg, um, but yeah, it was a no no, and as I said, Kane missed a penalty. Jammer made a good save to be fair. I so seen the first leg. Who was the toughest uh, player that you played against in that Spurs team? Well, I was directly against Kyle Walker, so that was uh, that was tough. <laughs> um, so I remember there was one Michael Dawson was coming out of the ball, and Walker's going going forward, and I kind of half and half, knowing Dawson's going to play it, I cut it out, and then I got Dawson go by him, just outside the box. I'm thinking I'm going to score here. 
next minute Walker comes, just takes it, and I'm like, where the hell did he come from? He was about 40 yards up the pitch two seconds ago, but he was just that quick. His recovery pace was ridiculous. And then what was your relationship like with Paulo Sergio? I had a good relationship, yeah. Um, got on well with him, to be honest. He was, he was good. He was totally different for Jim Jeffries. With Jim Jeffries, I was... He just gave me the freedom to go and play, like go and attack. Whereas Paulo Sergio came in, it was a lot more tactical, off the ball. It helped my game in terms of off the ball, like the tactical side of the game. So it was good for me that way. Because um, with Jim Jeffries, as I said, I was just constant attack, constant attack. Whereas I think we became more of a, a unit under Paulo Sergio, which is, I think, why we went on to win the cup. Yeah. Because we were a more solid team. No, we all knew our jobs, and obviously, uh, Hearts went on to beat Hibs in that final 5 1. When did you find out that you weren't included in the match day squad? And did Sergio give you a reason for it? It was about an hour and a half before the game. Um, wow. and no, I had I had been out injured. Um, when did I get injured? The February, I think I told my groin. Um, and I, I think I came back for two games before the final. We played played against Dundee United, I think, and then played against Celtic. And I, yeah. I didn't play well. I wasn't match fit or anything. And then, so I don't know if it's because I wasn't match fit and and stuff like that. That's why I wasn't in the squad. But yeah, that was a that was a signal because um, I had obviously been playing most of that season um, up until my injury against Motherwell. Yeah, and then so obviously I imagine the celebrations were brilliant after it, but did you still make the most of it and enjoy the occasion? Ah, yeah, I still had a, a good night, yeah. Because that's the thing, although you're raging, you're not involved and I didn't get a medal and stuff like that, which is annoying. Yeah. You're still happy for all, all your teammates. It's, you're in a changing room with these guys every single day for a full year. Some three, four years, you know what I mean? So, yeah, we're still buzzing for buzzing for all them and, yeah, we had a, had a good night. So how long did the celebrations last for then? Well, for me, it was just till the next day. Um, so got a, an apartment at Fountain Park. So we went to Tyne Castle. Um, I'm not even sure what time we were in there, till, to be honest. And then went back to Fountain Park, stayed on it. And then we had to go to Tyne Castle to get the open-top bus. Um, so we were on that, yeah. And then... I, I finished after that and back to Glasgow. But a few of the boys stayed on it to the next day. Aye. And so after uh, Paolo Sergio left, um, McGlynn came in. And uh, yeah. you must have been delighted with that because obviously you had a good relationship with him at Wraith. Yeah, I was happy. As I said, I, I like I like um, John McGlynn's a manager. He was very good with me. So when he came in, I was yeah, I was happy. Uh, knowing I was, I was an established player at that time as well. So I just knew I had to get a good pre-season and then uh, just look to, to get playing because five months before um, obviously Bristol City had tried to sign me um, so I just thought to myself good pre-season and, and have a good season and yeah. then to see what happened in terms of the options after that and uh, of course you used to draw Liverpool in the Europa League how buzzing were the boys about that? Yeah it was, that's unreal obviously when you go into these tips it's a weird one because you, sometimes you think that you could get a decent tie where you've got a chance of getting through and into group stages, but then sometimes you get that 
glamorize a bit a big club, good players and yeah, it was it was only would be fair you're playing against Gerard, Suarez, Carragher. So it's yeah, it was it was class. And the in the first leg, you were actually unlucky to lose that because you played well and it was obviously due to Andy Webster getting that own goal. But see that performance in the first leg, did you feel really confident going into that second leg? Like here, we've got nothing to lose here, let's just go for it, you know? Yeah, we were in the tie. Um as you say, first leg we thought we'd done quite well with a couple of half chances. Um, maybe one of them fall for us. Who knows? As you say, it was uh, Big Webby was unfortunate with the the one that's came off him and went in. But then we knew second leg there was a chance that they were then going to bring out their big big guns as well. So when we seen their team and seen Suarez and stuff, you're thinking, oh, it could be another Tottenham here, um, especially at Anfield. Um, but yeah, we were, we were always in we were in the tie, as I say. Like there was. They had half chances. I don't think they ever get into third gear, to be honest. They had half chances, and and then obviously when we get the goal, it was like, right, bang, we've just drop a gear now and just go through the levels, and that's what happened. They literally scored two minutes later, um, and that's what they could do with the players they had. Hey, but talk me through that goal, David, because that is it's iconic, and Hearts fans still speak about it to this day. So what was that feeling like for you scoring at Anfield? Yeah, it was unreal. It's um, I remember it came from a corner, uh, broke to the edge, and just as I went to get it, my first thought was to get onto my right and just get a strike at goal. Um, and I, I came inside. I think it might have been Sterling the first one, and then as I came in, then I seen Barini coming. I'm sure it was. So then I thought I need to try and go inside him as well, and. It was an all right strike. Like I've hit the target, which is the main thing. But there wasn't much power on movement. I think Pepperina's just kind of took his eye off it. He's probably thinking what he was going to do with it when he's when he's caught it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, I don't know what he'd done to be honest. But to see the fans, it was, that was incredible. No, definitely. That. I it was as I said. Like Hearts fans still speak about it to this day. And uh, would you say that's like the proudest moment of your career? It's going to Anfield. Yeah, that and I would say signing for Rangers as well. Um, yeah. be, I would say that would be the two, to be honest. And so, obviously, we're coming on to Rangers now. So, talk me through it. Like, when did you find out Rangers were first interested in you? Um, it wasn't until the next day. So, we played on the Thursday night. We stayed down there. And then we trained at Everton's training ground. Got back in the bus. And then that's when it was kind of coming out or there was interest from Rangers and but I hadn't heard anything. And then we were on the bus on the way back up, my agent phoned me and said basically Hearts had accepted an offer that um I was to, to go to Rangers, so I was to go and speak with them. So it was basically on the way back up the road and got told I had to go and meet my agent and go to Murray Park and sign a deal. And they see I think Ryan McGowan uh, yeah. went along with you as well, is that right? Yeah, he was so I didn't know that at the time. I went to Murray Park and then I seen the stuff with Ryan. Supposedly he was coming and, and then the next minute walks into Murray Park. I see Ryan there as well. So I thought he was signing, but he always had it and he said that he wasn't. Um, he just wanted to go and speak to Alan McCoyst and, and tell him why he didn't want to sign. But then he went to China four months later on 20 grand tax free. So I think he had... Had uh, something in mind anyway for why I didn't want to go. 
No, definitely. And uh, despite Rangers being in the third division, David, did that put you off at all? No. No, it didn't. But I also got told when I was signing there was a good chance that we weren't going to go down to the third division. It was going to be a case of going straight to the uh, well championship league uh, first division at the time it was, I think. Yeah. Um, so I think they still thought there was a chance that they could go into that rather than straight down to the third. But yeah, that's, I know what I signed up for and yeah, it wasn't great. And it's obviously you signed for Rangers, but overall, mate, how would you look back at your time at Hearts? That was brilliant. I loved that Hearts. Um, played my best football there. Probably had my best best time. Um, yeah, I've got nothing bad. I, I loved the club, to be honest. It was just unfortunate the way things ended. Yeah, because I remember at the time, I was in high school, right, and see when Rangers signed you, I was like, oh my God, this is like, and I'm not even just saying this because I'm talking to you, mate, I was like, how have Rangers pulled this off? Like, how have we pulled this off? Like, because back then, mate, you were tipped to be the next big thing in Scottish football, because um, I, I, so I remember when I first found out that we were like me, and I was like, nah, there's no way he's going to come down to third division, like Temple will be going down to the championship or something, then Rangers obviously pulled it off, and I was absolutely delighted, mate, <laughs> so I was... Yeah. But um, it's probably in hindsight, probably not the best move for me. But yeah, that's it's all right looking back now and saying that. But yes, little thing. Aye, but what was that feeling like making your debut at Ibrox in front of fifty thousand? Were you right? Well, I used I used to always speak to Lee Wallace when he was there. Um, and if like when I went there with Hearts and he was at Rangers, walking out to simply best, I'd be like, oh, it's. It's class walking out to that, to be fair. And Waldo would always say to me, it's even better walking out to Rangers player to it. And I'd always be like, what do you mean by that? Like, But then when I signed and I obviously walked out against Elgin, I totally I, I got it. Because like, the fans are there on your side, so walking out to that, just yeah, it's totally different. And it was, it was incredible. Yeah. Even to, to walk out in the third division against Elgin, you've got 50,000 fans there. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And I thought it was incredible how, like, um, in the first day night, he scored against Liverpool uh, at Anfield. And three days later, he scored against Elgin in the third division. <laughs> no, it's brilliant. That's what I mean. It's mental. Does it? That is no problem. Charles. But no, it just shows you that's it's funny how football works, David. <laughs> I know, it's it's bizarre. Really, really bizarre. Uh, yeah, but like, um, obviously, you, you scored a double against Elgin that day. And see, when you're going into, I like going to going to the stadium that day. Did you feel the love from the Rangers fans? Yeah, the fans were brilliant when I signed. Um, they were really, really good. Even the reception I got when I came off that day and stuff was that was unbelievable. Like stuff like that, you don't forget. Um, things years down the line might not have worked out, but I can always look back at that and a proud moment. Because I remember you picked up this injury uh, at Annan. And obviously, Annan, they had uh, a plastic pitch at the time. I don't know if they still do. But would you... Because I remember Rangers came out and they said that the reason for that injury was the plastic pitch. Would you agree with that? It's hard to say, to be honest. It was it was just weird because some injuries you can get and it can be contact injuries. But that one, I was literally running with the ball and I've went to come inside. No one near me and my ankle just went on the... On the Astro, I don't know if it was maybe the boots, the studs, the Astro. It's, it's too hard to say, to be honest. At the time, I didn't wear stratums either. Whereas after doing my ankle, I wear stratums all the time now. So you're less likely to do it. But 
to never ever have an ankle problem and then do that on the Astro. As I say, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the Astro, if it was a bad Astro, I don't know if it's the studs, I don't know if it's the boots I had. Could have been anything. But how did it feel being back in the third division? Because the Rangers playing in the World League, right? It was like a cup final for the part-time yeah. teams every single week. Um, how did you find being back there? And did you find it quite tough? Some of the games were, yeah. Uh, some of the away games, as you say, it's a cup final for them. So I had games where I think still in Albion, I think 10, 12 minutes in or something like that, it was four bookings for tackles on there. And it's like, that's just, that's what you're into. Like, go and beat people and they're just smashing you. And probably getting away with it a bit more down at that level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, as I say, that I knew what I'd signed up for and what to expect. I think it was maybe harder for some of the foreign boys that didn't know what it was going to be like. Yeah. Um, like, like Milton Krabari, who came from Lazio, to then go to Montrose away and stuff. So, yeah, I think it was a culture shock for them. Oh, no, I can imagine. But you see the type of player that you are as well. You're quite a flair player. I imagine you were targeted quite a bit from the opposition because they obviously like the type of player that you, you were. Yeah, you probably would be. Um, I think any winger that will beat, beat players and maybe... Be a threat. Opposition managers are always going to say, make sure you leave one him on him early, um, just so he knows what sort of game he's in for. Because you, I suppose you're you want to see if they fancy it or not. So, yeah, sometimes I did. I took it as a compliment that they would obviously try and target you, but at the same time, it's not nice getting kicked all the time. <laughs> yeah, like who were some of the big characters in that Rangers dressing room? Uh, Kyle Hutton was was good. Uh, funny boy, uh, just good laugh. Lee McCulloch, very loud. It was obviously a good laugh as well. Cal Naismith at the time when he was there. Uh, we had a we had a good bunch to be fair. Um, Dean Shields I got on really well with as well. Um, so I it was, a, it was a good group, and then obviously brought in we went into like uh, League One and stuff. Chris Boyd, Kenny Muller and stuff for good characters as well, so it's, it was always a good bunch we had. Hey, Cammy Bell was telling me the other week that Ian Black is quite the wind-up merchant. Uh, would you agree with that? Blackie, yeah. Uh, I knew Blackie for hearts as well, so I always got on really well with him, but the first thing I always get told when I, when I signed was, don't argue back with Durante, because he's too quick and witty, but Blackie's always one that thinks he's quick. Every single morning, Durant, he would slaughter Blackie. He'd always try and bite back, but never ever win. And it was always that was always a good laugh because Durant was hilarious. I, what was um, Big Mojney like? He said I met Mojney a couple of times, right? And I thought he was a total gentleman. But Lovely big guy. Honestly, I've never got a short fuse on him. But <laughs> yeah, that's what. Anytime anybody asked me, oh, about Mojney, is he mental? He was so nice, but as you say, he could just flip, and he was a maniac if he flipped. Um, but you would never think it if you were just speaking to him normal you'd think oh he's the nicest big guy ever which he was but if you got on his wrong side yeah he'd kill you can you tell me the story about um, on the, the what happened in the team bus I think you uh, or Barry yeah. McCann from Sweets or something that uh, yeah, I, I, was, I was quite prone on the bus for hitting people with sweeties and stuff just just carrying on like if you were bored and then it was one day I think I was sitting on my phone or if I had computer or whatever and um, Big Billy was standing over the top of me with, with a sweetie I kill you I kill you and I'm like what are you talking about Billy what's, what's up you hit me with sweetie I know it was you 
I'm like, wasn't it me, Billy? Wasn't it me? And he's like, oh, who was it? And we Barry McKay sitting across. He's like, it was me, Billy. <laughs> but petrified because he, he could see that he was about to kill me. Um, but that's just the way I wouldn't have messed him because he was an absolute unit as well. Eight pack, shredded, solid. Nah, when he when he get his bad side, and I think you seen that really Irwin. <laughs> oh, aye. <laughs> but obviously speaking about that as well, where were you when all that was going on? Then obviously when he punched Lee Irwin, then he was waiting outside the team bus for a square I- goal to continue it. <laughs> I wasn't there. I wasn't in the squad. Um, I had been left out for Stuart McCall, me and Kyle Hutton. So, yeah, we weren't at the game. So I never seen it like all that happened. I seen it on the telly like everybody else. So I didn't even know what had happened on a team bus after it and stuff when he was trying to get back off it to get him. Didn't know any of that had happened until one of the boys had told us. And then Cammy was telling me, um, he said to you, right, I'm going to drive to France, you'll never see me again. And Cammy's like, I have not seen the guys ever since that day. The guy did go straight to France. Uh, that's what it was like, though. He was mad. Uh, but, uh, see, just going back to Ian Black, though, I just want to mention this, uh, like another thing that Cammy told me. Where, like, is it, uh, Cammy told me that Ian Black would turn up to training dri- driving a Bentley. Like, he was uh, the big one, like the big man, and Cammy would be like, what are you doing, mate? You're, you're playing in League One, you're cutting about in a Bentley. <laughs> Can you, uh, can you back up on that? No, I can't say nothing because I had some fast cars and stuff as well. I done the same, so um, yeah, I can't, I can't sleep blacky for that. <laughs> um, but it was a nice car. It had to be fair, red Bentley. Had a shot. It was actually nice. Um, <laughs> but see, obviously, in your first two seasons at Rangers, then you won Division Three, won League One. How would you look back in your first two seasons there? So obviously um, you've got a lot of goals, got lots of assists as well. So and you won first, both first season I enjoyed. Um other than the injury against Arnhem, I think I scored fifteen. Um I don't know how many I set up. But I had obviously you were expected to get that anyway, but um yeah, I'd say I had an all right season and then the season after I didn't play as much. I was kinda in and out a lot. Um, we went to a four four two, um, and yeah, quite often it was I'm trying to think who was played. Stevie Smith sometimes played in the left, and I would be coming on, so I didn't play as much as I wanted to. Um, probably didn't have. I don't even know what my numbers were for that season, but it wouldn't have been great. I saw obviously Rangers get promoted to the championship that season, and you've got Hibs and Hearts in there as well, so. It was obviously going to well, going at it. Everyone thought it was going to be a competitive league, but when it came to October time, um, Alan McCoy's left. Did that come as a big shock to all the boys? And what was your reaction when you found that out? Um, well, there was rumours that they had handed in his resignation because we were playing Queen of the South on a Friday night, and we were travelling to Murray Park that day when it all came out. We were thinking, like, surely not, like we're gone to the game, we're literally going to meet just now to go to the game, so we got there, the gaffer pulls in basically and says, oh no, I've not, not handed in my resignation and stuff, and then we went and got beat, I think we lost 2-0, and I'm sure it was actually, it was your Christmas night out that night, and he cancelled it, yeah. and then had, basically we're in the next day, and then that was that, I'm sure he was gone after that, yeah. so it was kind of like, uh, from he went and says obviously he hadn't to then I don't know if maybe the, the loss totally turned it, but yeah, that was him gone. Aye, so then obviously McDowell took over and he 
didn't want to be there, mate, at all, man. Like, you look, you look very uncomfortable in the touchline as well, but the, the boys... Yeah, but I, think, I think it was hard for him because he was so close to Coyster as well. Yeah. And he was so close with Gaffer, best pal. So I think he, he probably found it tough in terms of that as well. Yeah, and what was it like playing under Coyster? I was fu- funny, funny guy. Um, I actually got on really well with him. Um, as I say, enjoyed my first season. Second season, I didn't play as much. Um Partly through injury, probably wasn't playing as well as I could have and probably wasn't as professional as I could have been as well in terms of what I had at the facilities and stuff. Um, probably going training and going home rather than doing extra and stuff like that. So there's a lot of factors why I probably didn't play as much as I should have. Yeah, so see when you look back at that when you said that you weren't maybe being as professional as you should have been, would you say that's one of your big regrets from your time at Rangers? Yeah, definitely. I'd say that just in general with my career. Um, it's probably not until you're older that you realise that you should have probably done more in terms of stretching, maybe weights or whatever it may be, maybe bike to get yourself fitter or whatever, should have probably done more. Um, yeah. As you're younger, you think you don't think injuries are through stuff like that, whereas I should have probably been doing a lot more stretching to maybe look after myself. And then, so obviously, after Rangers don't get promoted, uh, Mark Warburton comes in. Uh, what was your relationship like with Mark? Uh, started really well. Um, pulled us in straight away and says, like, as a player, I was going to play me. And I, I did start the season under him, um, first two games. And then I think Kenny then started against St. Mirren. And I came on and done my knee that game. And then that was me out for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, so that was it. But enjoyed his pre-season, his training and stuff. Mm. Um, but just unfortunate that I was injured the full season. Yeah, and, and uh, you left for Rangers in 2016, David. Uh, how Overall, right, how would you look back at your time at the club? Um, frustrating. Um, obviously, delighted, delighted to see I've played for the club. Um just wish it had went better. Um, wish I'd played more, less injuries, and yeah, just done better in general. Yeah, because um, it's a fantastic football club, um, and I'm one of the lucky ones to say I've played there. Yeah, and so obviously you said that you're injured for the rest of the season. How long did it take you to actually get back, like fully fit? Uh, oh wow! So I, I got injured. Was that the... Was it, I think it was... was it no start, uh, I think it was August 2015. Was it, it August? Was August, yeah, August. I think he scored in that game as well, mate. No, I scored the Peterhead one. Ah, uh, yeah, he scored in that game, yeah. St. Mirren one, I set up the third goal for Dean Shoes. Yeah. Um, and then I got injured just after that. So that yeah. was in August. I then left Rangers the end of May. Yeah. I then got another operation in August. And then I didn't sign with Hamilton until March, March 2017, I think. Yeah. So that's yeah. when I got back and I, I wasn't fit. Basically, I played a couple of reserve games for them and um, came on in a couple of the first team games to the end of the season and then signed. And then it wasn't until I got a pre-season that's when I was starting to get fit. Like, see, when you're out... Two years, really. Yeah, so see when you were injured all that time, like, see mentally, how difficult was that for yourself? Yeah, it was horrendous. Um, 
before I left, well, at the end of the season when I was leaving Rangers, I was actually going to retire. Because um, at the time I didn't know what was up with my knee. Um, I'd tried loads of different stuff and um, couldn't get to the bottom of it. And then it was my agent put me on to Andy Williams in London. And I, I, left, I just went to see him in the, I think it was the end of July I seen him. And he said if he thought he knew what it was, that he could operate on it, and but he couldn't say for certain that he could fix it. And I took the chance, and yeah, he managed to fix it, and that's what got me back. And then, see, when you obviously got back into football and signed for Hamilton, that must have been some feeling, mate, when you got when you finally got back out on that pitch. Yeah, it was good because obviously I'd been out that long as well with that injury, and to be honest, there was it's not like I had teams all lining up trying to get me. No one. Would, would touch me I was just wanting to go in places to try and train to try and get fit because I was doing stuff myself and didn't have probably what I needed to get fit um, and then it was Ronnie McDonald phoned me and basically just says Look, I want you to come in and sign I don't don't need to feel under pressure to try and perform just come sign and train as normal and yeah he gave me the, gave me the time him and Martin Canning to get fit and yeah, it worked for myself and for them, I think. Then in 2018, sorry, sorry, in 2018, you signed for Burton Albion. What was that experience like uh, playing down south for the first time? It was good. That that was purely all it was because Hamilton had made me a good offer to stay and then, as I say, I enjoyed it there. And I probably would have stayed, but I always wanted to try England before I retired and I knew I didn't have much time left. So when the opportunity came... Um, I jumped at it to go down there um, and to play under Nigel Clough, which was good as well. Hey, what was he like? Yeah, he was. He was good. He was. He was old school in terms of the way the way he was and go through people and stuff like that. But as a person, he was. He was really good. Would look after you really well in terms of if it was family stuff. You need time off. Nights out with the boys, like they liked boys drinking together and. Um, yeah, it was it was really good to be fair. I enjoyed it under him. And you played against Man City in the League Cup, and uh, what was that like playing against that uh, Peps team? Yeah, well, the the first game I was on the bench uh, there he had, and obviously we lost nine 0 I think I came on at six 0 or something like that. But just even watching and seeing them up close was it was they were so good it was unbelievable. And then the second leg, we're thinking right, they're going to bring the kids, kind of like what Spurs done. Um, when I was at Hearts and no, it didn't happen. Aguero, De Bruyne, Foden, Danilo, Eric Garcia, Zinchenko, Mares, and it's like, oh my God, it's going to be another 9-0 here. But managed to keep it to 1-0, which was, it was a good game that one, to be fair. Um, but yeah, they were, they were different class. Just the movement, everything, how good they were in the ball, it's just levels. Uh, who's City players? Uh, what City players uh, shot did you get after the game? So I only swapped the second game and I got Danilo's. Um, nice. I, I always just ask whoever I'm playing against if I ever ask for tops. Mm. I think I've only ever asked for four or five in my full career. And it's always been whoever I've played against. Yeah. Then obviously after your time at Burton, uh, you returned to Scotland and you, you obviously returned uh, to Hamilton. And uh, the right before COVID, you scored against Rangers at Ibrox. Um, what was that feeling like? Because I do remember you didn't celebrate. You're very respectful. <laughs> um, well, that go that was actually my first spell. That one, the was it? Uh, yeah, the game maybe because um, that was under Martin Canning. 
And the second time was Brian Rice, and we win one 0 It was David Moyo who had scored. But so that yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was getting them mixed up. I, 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 that was that was the one that I brought because I, was, I actually wasn't playing that day. I, my little man was in hospital, so I missed yeah. the game because I was in the hospital. So I was I was in the hospital trying to get a signal to see the scores, and and that was probably the <laughs> sorry that was probably the one that kept us up at the time because obviously before we went into COVID, we were we were right down there, and yeah. that. Um, I think that kept us in eleventh, winning that game against Rangers. I think we beat Rangers, and then we we got another good win after that. But if we hadn't yeah. won that, we'd have probably been the ones going down. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because obviously then that season Hearts went down because the season just like completely stopped. Yeah. But yeah, like see, then after that, um, the obviously season finished, um, and then in two in twenty twenty one, David, you decided to retire from yep. professional football. Uh, what was your reason for that? Uh, it was basically I had torn my groin when I was at Hamilton, um, and had to get a had to get an op, so I had to get a metal anchor in my groin basically. Um, and it's when I was coming back from that, I was trying to run, and every time I tried to open up, I was getting pain, sort of like the hamstring attachment on my groin, um, and I just couldn't open up. Didn't know what it was, and basically got told it was a chronic hamstring tendon, <laughs> and it would just. Any time I opened up, there was a chance it going. So it was affecting me in the house with, the, with my son and stuff. So I thought, right, it's not worth it. I'll just, just chuck it then. And then I think it was about three three months after that, I was in the house and I was still getting the same pain when I was playing with my son. I was like, I shouldn't be like that. When I'm not training now, I'm not doing anything. So I went and seen the physio at Rangers, um, Stevie Walker, and it turned out with scar tissue from the operation. And he basically released it all, and then after that, I was totally fine, able to play again and everything. So mm. it was uh, it was a bit of a nightmare, but I was kind of, after that, I was happy with the decision I made anyway, because I was probably struggling with the everyday training and stuff as I was getting older. And then obviously, just now, David, you're playing for uh, Drumchapel United. You must be enjoying it now, but it's just like it's your back. Play, you're back enjoying your football. There's no stress. It's like, it, does it feel like just playing football? From like when you were growing up again, is that is that what it's like? No, there's obviously there's no no stress in terms of like fans and stuff like that. But yeah, I still I still hate losing, so I can't enjoy it unless I'm winning. And I hate like long ball football and stuff. So if we don't play good football, I get frustrated. And but I've been lucky that. Like last season and spells this season, we play decent football at times, so it can be enjoyable. Um, but it's 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 good. As I say, I only train once a week, so there's no like stress on my body really, and I can play on a Saturday and feel all right. So it's yeah, I enjoy it there. Aye, and uh, overall, David, how would you look back in your professional football career? Probably not as good as it could have been. Um, if I'm honest. Uh, I think in terms of, I think I had a lot of ability. I think injuries killed me a bit. Probably fitness didn't help either. Um, I think if I was probably less injuries, more fit, with ability I had, I could have probably done better than I actually did. Mm. Um, but when I say of the clubs I've played with, then it's it's not too bad a career, is it? Not many people can say I've played with Hearts, Rangers for example. I know you're spot on, David, you're spot on. Uh, could we ever see you going into coaching? 
Well, I actually was coaching. I was coaching at Hamilton for a couple of years, and um, yeah, it wasn't for me to be honest. I always wanted to be a scout, so I've started doing that now. Um, scouting for Hearts Academy, so yeah, I started that in November, and I'm enjoying that at the, at the minute. It's, it's really good. Oh, that's good. And uh, just to finish off, Dave, I've got a few other questions I want to ask you. Um, so, um, who's the best player that you've ever played with? I think I'd probably have to go Lee Wallace. Um, it's a hard one. Lee Wallace, I'd say Scatcho up there just because of what he could do in a game in terms of just turning it with goals. Um, and Larry Kingston. Larry Kingston was very, very good as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was he was class. Uh, the best manager you've played under? Oh, that's a hard one because they're all different as well. Um, like for me personally, Jim Jeffries for the way he let me just go and attack all the time. But then I had Paulo Sergio who was more tactical. And then Nigel Clough who was more with this sort of like family based stuff and man management type was was good as well so it's, it's hard to say but I'd probably say just in terms of for when I played my best was Jim Jeffries the the best player that you played against director just in a game in general directly, yeah directly I would say Kyle Walker mm. um I think who else I played against. Yeah, directly it would be him definitely. Yeah. The the best goal that you've scored. Um I'd probably say my goal against Hibs, if I'm honest. The the one against Hibs for Hearts. I scored out a goal that got me goal of the season for Rangers against Clyde as well, away from home. Was about I was there that day, it was a cracker, right? It was a behind the goal man, it was top notch. Yeah, so that one. And I scored a good one for Burton against Doncaster as well from the, the edge of the D, uh, the edge of the box, sorry, corner. I would have whipped it right in the far top corner. So that one as well. Hey, your best pal in football? Did you upset a few people here? <laughs> no, I've, I've not really got one, if I'm honest. Um, the only ones I really still speak to is Kyle Hutton, uh, wee Barry Mackay and Ryan McGowan now and again as well. Mm. Um, so I was close with Gowser when I was at Hearts but yeah that's one of the ones I really still speak too much uh, The worst dressed footballer that you played with I can imagine there's quite a few <laughs> Ryan Stevenson's got to be up there he's everything was just designer but some of his stuff is terrible even now on Instagram and stuff I still give him a bit for it <laughs> oh, That's brilliant uh, The funniest player that you played with? I'd probably go Kyle Hutton Kyle, mm. Kyle Hutton or Kyle Naismith, he was really funny as well. And uh, the best game that you played in is uh, Anfield? Um, probably was, yeah. I would say so, yeah. I've tried to think of other games, but... Yeah, that would be the best one I've played in. Yeah, and, uh, this is, and also, last question, David, that I ask everybody this question that comes on the podcast. Um, I think I know who I'm, you're going to say, right? But you're, I don't know if uh, your opinion might have changed since then. But who do you better, Ronaldo or Messi? Oh, Messi by far. Yeah, Messi. <laughs> Ronaldo might be a better goal scorer, but in terms of a footballer, Messi. Nobody's even close to him. 
Uh, no, David, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming oh, on, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. No worries. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott Score, they're available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Until next time, take care and we'll see you soon.